What is up, everyone? Jordan here, uh, just hanging out with a friend who I'm going to let introduce himself in a minute. But just to remind you guys, we've been doing these talks and the whole uh, kind of purpose behind them has been it's holiday season. And we know the holiday season can be a difficult time for everybody. And obviously 2020 has been a hell of a year. And so those two things mixed together can make for a really tough holiday season. And so I wanted to get together with some professionals and um, also some people that just regularly engage youth and just have the conversation about mental health. So uh, Jeff, glad you are here. Uh, always grateful for your time, man. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody. Tell us who you are and what you do. Glad to be here, Jordan. Um, I'm Jeff Skeens. I'm Jordan's friend. I can't hey. <laughs> I remember when I was in youth group growing up and I came with a friend, I'd be like, I'm Jeff and I came with, with John. And I just get out of it all. I didn't like to talk too much in front of crowds. No, I, I am really friends with you. That's why I'm here. I think even more than being a therapist or whatever else, um, I'm friends with you and I, I, I like my, my time with you and I enjoy our relationship and, and our friendship that's grown over the years. And Me too, man. And, and so all the other stuff matters, but not as much as our friendship. So Appreciate that. Um, but I am a, a marriage and family therapist. You know the program. <laughs> I graduated in 2018 so I'm kind of new to the field but I was in uh, I've always been walking alongside teenagers and families since I was young as a young life leader as a college pastor for some years and and we've got four kids now you know our oldest is 17 we have a 14 year old 13 year old and 11 year old so we're like right in the mix yeah you're in it bro you are in it. In it, we've studied it, we've lived it, and now it's it's eating me up. Like <laughs> all the advice in the world, I'm like, I know everything, and yet, can you help me? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Like, uh, that is. That is. We really can give each other tools and stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, we're like we're still fighting for our own tools because managing life is really hard at times. And, whether it's yeah, circumstances or stuff you're dealing with in your own life, your own family. Um, so yeah, I'm a marriage and family therapist, graduated two years ago. I currently have my own practice over by 16th Street in Missouri. Um, it's called the Caneo Center. So it's only my practice, but the, the heart is to, to, uh, to be a center in the future where it's kind of like a holistic place of healing, body, soul, mind. Um, we really believe in, in mental health, but we also believe that mental health is affected through other disciplines outside of, you know, the therapeutic practice. Mm. So That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, all right. In fact, I'm curious now that you asked, because you said mental health is effective outside of the therapeutic room. So when you say that, what do you mean? Yeah, I mean, for one, uh, what we do know is, and I'm not a researcher, I just read stuff, is that we do know that our diet affects our, our, our mental health. We know that our gut is like a second brain. And, and if, we've got, if we've got a gut that is, is not healthy, it can secrete. I don't even know if that's the right word. It sounds smart. If we can, we can, it can send off different chemicals and produce different emotions. And so 
we do know that when kids have a bad diet, when adults have a bad diet, yeah, it can affect the way our brain physically is if we were to look at it through um, uh, through different measures to look at the brain. And then we can also say we legitimately feel different. Um, mm. And so that's a big deal. We think of diet. I think of sleep. Uh, if we're not able to get sleep, you know, we, we are probably going to feel outside of our window of tolerance, which we could talk about later, but we'll, we'll feel constantly on edge or too tired, not enough energy for certain things, which affects the way our brain physically functions. Um, physical exercise, obviously, you know, getting our endorphins moving so that we can actually feel good things. Mm. Um, so and spirituality is a big piece of it, I believe. Um, existential realities and questions affect our mental health. Mm. Yeah, it's so, good. It's interesting. Yeah, you bring that up. Uh, so my homie uh, and his wife, his wife's a, a LPC in the Gilbert area, and she was making the point because she's heavy into attachment that, you know, you have attachment to the outside source, right? You have attachment inwardly and you have attachment communally. And those things kind of ground somebody in existence, if you will, so that they can actually uh, be a healthy human being. So I thought it was interesting. You brought up the spiritual, she brought up the same thing as well. So you kind of see that weaved throughout therapeutic practice, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, no matter, you know, everyone's got a faith belief. Mm, yeah. To change what you believe, my job is just to help you understand what you do believe, mm. so That's that good. we can see where that fits into your daily life. Because you know, it it what I believe affects what I believe about myself, my my value, my worth, my ability to care for me, my ability to love for, love others, um, my hope for the future, my uh, the way I view the past, the way mm. I understand the horrible behavior that I did last night, the, the way I look at shame, the way I see guilt, like all that is shaped by faith, which Good. affects mental health. Hmm. So yeah, we're there. So let me ask you the uh, first question I have. So what are you seeing in the space that you're, you're living in and working, working in and like, you know, father of, if you will, like you said, like you're in it. Um, what are you seeing with depression anxiety, suicide uh, in the lives of young people right now? Holidays, COVID, schools closing, opening, all that stuff. Like, what are you seeing? Yeah. So yeah, full disclosure, I only see a handful of, of adolescents right now. So I've got, you know, the youngest kid that I see is 15. And then I see people all the way up through, if we're going to talk about young adults through 25. So I, if, if we include kids after 18, I probably see, uh, more than just a handful so my experience is going to be not only in the therapy room but talking to people like you uh, obviously my kids and their friends and and conversations that i hear them having mm -hmm. um, in in my circle i know suicide has been a bigger issue i just haven't seen it mm. I, i've seen i've seen thoughts of it I've heard people talk about not wanting to live. Um, but when it comes down to doing a full suicidal assessment, um, I've only had one client in three and a half years. And, and I deal with a lot of trauma. 
so that's probably not the norm. So I don't know. I'm obviously I'm not. Um, I'm not saying that that's a normal experience, but de depression and anxiety, particularly this, this year, across the board, it's uh, it's more intense than I've experienced the former two and a half years of practice, hmm. and it's showing up. You know, this is what's weird about anxiety. What I've learned, just e even as a parent, we realize that most of the behavior issues we've seen in our kids is because there's a sense of anxious energy. And if I feel anxious, then I don't completely feel safe. And if I don't feel safe and I don't have the language to talk about that I don't feel safe, how is it gonna come out? And I tell people oftentimes anxiety comes out sideways. <laughs> it's not coming out right here, right here, right here. It's just seeping out in different ways. And then I don't know how to name it. I don't know what it is. And so, and so it, it affects relationships even when we can't name, oh, that's anxiety. I think there's a sense of just knowing that we don't know something about COVID. We don't know when vaccine's gonna be made. We don't know what it's gonna look like after the election. We don't know. And all the things that the world promises us information and knowledge with, with all the technology and yet with everything we have, we still have so much uncertainty, which I think all the access to information creates more uncertainty. Hmm. Because now I'm aware of more things than I ever would have been aware of. Like when I was a kid, if I wanted to know everything going on in the world, I'd have to sit up and watch the 10 o'clock news or read a newspaper. Yeah. I didn't do that. So I didn't care. And I, I wasn't as informed which in some ways I guess you can say was bad, but in other ways I was a kid and you know, every now and then popped on, popped on my Nintendo and played by myself without logged into millions of subscribers. Mm. And, so, and so all of that access we have on top of that, this pandemic that has changed routine, I have seen a tremendous spike in anxiety um, and a lot of it is just, uh, people coming into the office saying that something's changed. They don't even say it's anxiety, but it's anxiety. And I even think, uh, prolonged levels of feeling anxious lead us to depression. Cause think about it, man, if you've got this nervous energy or this looping thought, something that you can't control, and now I can't go to sleep, I start to feel totally like run down and Maybe hopeless is a big word at the beginning, but hopelessness sets in because we feel like this won't change. And now we throw in not just all those experiences, but the teenage brain that literally has, you know, I guess we got to define stuff now. The prefrontal cortex is just now coming online for, for teenagers at puberty. And that means that their ability to make sense of what's going on in life and their bodies and the surroundings isn't, isn't sharp like it is for an adult at age 30. Hmm. It's, like, it's like learning how to get connected. And the analogy I give is like, all right, if you're an adult, you've got high speed internet plugged into a modem and you, you can just log in and do whatever you want right away and you can make some certain connections. But as a kid, it's like dial up. <laughs> with phone connection, you know, and and half of 
what's going on with anxiety and depression is, is I think, and this is just my opinion, is these kids have all these emotions and they get, they don't know how to say they have them. And so they're feeling them. And then adults will come to them and going, Hey, how's the pandemic? I'm sure this is hard on you. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm fine. All the time. I hear it. Yeah, I'm great. And then two nights later, this kid is totally depressed and feeling hopeless and telling their parents that, uh, you know, having a breakdown or something or a panic attack. And so I think it's really important to understand that anxiety looks different for you and I at our age as it does in younger kids. Mm. Um, so I guess before we get into anything else, it's I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that there's a lot of anxiety and I think subsequently depression um, and kids maybe kids would say they're depressed more than they're anxious. Cause I hear that a lot more. I'll hear, I'll, I'll hear from kids. Oh, so-and-so is depressed. And I'll ask every now and then, well, how do they know they're depressed? Well, they're sad and they're crying a lot. Okay. And, and so we'll hear other things like, well, they're just, they can't be with any friends. They got their phone taken away from them and, and they've got bad grades and that will depress a kid to a point where a kid thinks his life worth living. Mm. Can't connect with my friends. I don't know how to catch up on homework. I failed the test. That's a good man. Those things are tanking kids emotionally. And as an adult that didn't grow up with it, we're, we, I can be harsh and I'll be like, what are you talking about? I didn't have any of this when you were kids. Grow up, you know, quit, quit feeling sorry for yourself. And so again, what did I just reinforce right there as a parent? Yeah, in something wrong mind, with you. I'm trying to toughen my kid up, but I'm reinforcing how you feel doesn't matter. And if we want to create depression, that's a good way to do it. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Hmm. Man. So I guess this is a good time to ask the next question. Um, what things do adults need to be aware of uh, during the holidays as they're spending time with the young people in their lives? Like, what do they need to be paying attention to? And like, what things can you point them towards that perhaps might be um, indicators that conversations need to be had um, in, in the home, so on and so forth to kind of help engage uh, the young people in their lives, right? They're struggling mentally. Yeah, I think that's good. Um... Well, like I always say this, um, I like the analogy of if you're on an airplane and you lose oxygen in the cabin and you have a young child with you, they tell you to put oxygen on yourself first so that mm. you could not pass out. And if you pass out before you get it on to the kid, then both you and the kid lose oxygen. But if you get it on yourself first and now you can have the right oxygen to look at your child who might be having a hard time breathing, but you can help them get oxygen on and they're not gonna die in the first you know, handful of minutes as the oxygen's leaving. And so the whole idea is take care of yourself. Hmm. And so the first thing I always tell people is pay attention to you. If I don't know how I'm feeling, I'm, I'm gonna be a horrible assessment of how other people feel. And I might not even be a great listener either. Hmm. Because if I'm 
if I'm not able to notice that I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling burnt out, I'm feeling scared and I have these big emotions, if I don't notice it, then I'm going to bring that energy into space with my kids. And then I'm going to create an anxious environment. That makes sense. Because again, we're talking about all this energy is going to come out sideways, even if I'm trying to hold it together. And so one of the biggest things I like to do is that my wife, if anybody's helped me, it's my wife the most is, is helping me slow down to notice what I feel first. Then once I know, man, I feel scared right now. I feel scared that, you know, let's just say I have a teenage kid. I feel scared that as a parent, I'm going to miss out on a certain opportunity or this or that. And then that fear is going to move into how I parent and I'm going to miss my son or miss my daughter. So I say, show up with yourself first. And if we can show up with ourselves, um, then I'm going to have a better shot at showing up with my kids it's a whole idea of the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we skip over that last part very quickly. Mm-hmm. And yet I think we need to sit there a little bit longer because I can't love my neighbor if I'm not loving myself. I can show acts of kindness to my late neighbor, but really to love someone if that I can't love someone to a degree that I'm not able to love myself. Yeah, you have and no so context or understanding. I give what I've got. And so we need to focus on self-love. Sounds cliche, <laughs> but I really do think it's important. Like, how do we not feel overwhelmed? How do we not feel like I can't sleep at night? You know, and obviously you don't wait being a parent while you deal with your stuff. But I think while you're doing it or as a youth pastor, or youth leader, or whatever, So while you're paying attention to you, while you're learning how to be present with yourself, I think things that you can totally do with your kids, um, your teenagers, young adults, is is treat them like a human. Uh, So the whole idea of like coming on to this Zoom with you, you asked me to tell me about my, tell you a little bit about myself. Well, the first thing that my heart thought of was I'm friends with you. If I came on just as a professional, I could probably have some good things to say. But when I start to think about doing this for my friend, Jordan, I want to give more. Like I I look forward to like hearing what questions you got. I look forward to talking about how this recording went afterwards when we're off air. I look forward to hearing how you're processing everything you're learning. And, And that now changes our relationship together. And now you and I aren't just swapping information, right? We're swapping hearts that care for one another. And we're swapping a desire to know and to be known, which taps into the core human desire. Like we want to be treated like humans. And teenagers can be so off-putting. They can piss you off. They can bring you to a place where you just want to cuss them out as an adult. And you're like, do I really feel this right now? I can't believe I want to say and do these things. And they'll, they'll bring us to that point, not because they're monsters, but because they're freaking teenagers. Their brain's on dial-up, and they're living in a world at the speed of high-speed internet, and they can't mm. keep up, and they're trying to, and they want to let you believe that they do keep up, and they know more than you, and all this da-da-da-da-da. But at the end of the day, they're humans. Like, Jordan, I'll ask you a personal question. 
Like, in, with all the resources you have, has it been easy or difficult for you to manage your emotions these last six months? Very difficult. And so look at you. You're a grown adult with tons of resources and support, and you're creating really great support for other people, which is amazing. And yet you and I both have a really hard time managing our emotions and figuring out how to cope with certain things throughout life. And so if you and I, as adults, with training, with resources, with great friendship, mentors, therapists, are struggling, why the hell do we think teenagers are going to be struggling right now? Yeah, doesn't make any sense. They're humans. And so if we just literally start to look at them as little humans that have a brain that is figuring out life at a high speed right now, just with tons of pressures, I think our posture towards them would change. And I think Mm -hmm. if I give any advice here that I want anybody to run with, we have to change our posture. When When I go to my kids with a posture of like, what are you doing? Or even a posture of like, hey, I'm really concerned. I want to talk to you. Those two things put my kids off. But when I come at a posture of even noticing what I feel and I go to them say, hey, I just, I don't know what your experience with me lately has been like, but I know that I've been a little stressed. I just want you to know that I love you. And if I've missed you and I haven't heard you lately, I apologize because I just, I really love you and I want to be able to be present with you. And, and, and so if there's anything you want to talk about, let me know, because I really do care for you. So that posture is it started with me acknowledging me. Because I know I'm, I'm, I'm a human as well and I'm not perfect. So there's going to be many moments where I miss my kids. There's going to be many moments where I'm putting pressure on my kids to be somebody that I, I never wanted to be this person. And yet I know I'm being it in the moment. Mm. And so if I can take responsibility for that, that produces moments of safety later on. You know, and, and then I can go to my kids. And if I see something I, that that's not you know, healthy, I can look at them and go, Hey, just wanted to check in. I haven't seen you in a while. And I notice that you feel more sad. You see how I named something? I didn't be like, just how you feeling? Well, kids, when you ask them general questions, they're like, I don't know. <laughs> How's the pandemic been? <laughs> you know, every now and then you'll get an outlier and kids will really engage you with it. But most kids are kind of like, I don't know. But then if you, you look at them and say, hey, I noticed you've been kind of quiet lately. What's on your mind? And then they say, I don't know. And then I ask them, has the quietness been more like sadness or has it been more like you're tired and, and, and you know, school's overwhelming? So I give ideas of like, what could you be feeling to help prompt a kid? Because now remember, we're thinking about their prefrontal cortex being online. It's a, it's a dial up. So we got to slow down with them when it comes to emotions and how they feel. And so I think that's really huge. Number one, if we can just show up with our own emotions. Number two, if we can just realize that our kids are humans struggling just like us. And number three, if we can begin to lead them a little bit with, hey, I notice notice you've been coming to dinner very quiet. Is there something affecting you that's really good man i think uh you hit the nail on the head in terms of like you know self-awareness 
And I think there's this reality, like you're saying, that those two things really are tied together. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, you could literally say love your kid as yourself, right? Because in a sense, your child is your neighbor. And I think we have these hierarchical understandings of what it means to be a parent and a child. And I think sometimes those understandings get in the way of how we interact with each other. And so, you know, for a parent who's not willing to be in tune with themselves, they're definitely going to miss those moments. If you can't say that you're sad, you're not going to notice that somebody else is. And I think once again, it's that bravado we've been taught to walk in, which is I'm good. Everything's okay. Let me puff my chest out, keep this thing going. I've got to show how tough I am or whatever else. I can't let the kids see me emotional or weak or whatever it is instead of not recognizing that's the very thing that makes you human before them, you know? That's right. And, and, and again, that allows you to approach your kids with a different posture. Like if, if I know that I'm afraid and I can talk to myself, well, why do you feel afraid, Jeff? Well, I feel afraid because I noticed my daughter's been checking out a little bit and she feels sad. And then all these fears go up in my head like, well, what she feels sad about? What's she experiencing? Is she feeling depressed? Is she thinking about life? Is she you know, like, is she using drugs? Is she this? Does she think about suicide? Does she, in my mind, could just boo, 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 boo. And it's like, then I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. And if I think I'm, I can just bury it and go to my kid and have them feel safe around me, I'm, I'm lying to myself. But if I can go to my daughter or my son and say, hey, I just want to let you know that I've seen you check out a little bit. And as a dad, I feel scared and I love you. And I want to notice that sometimes my fear can maybe make you feel not safe or put you off a little bit. So mm. I just want to let you know that behind my fear is a great love for you. Mm. And I really do want to know you. And I can imagine in our home, it would be easy to live in such a way where you don't feel like anybody knows you or that you totally feel understood. And I want to let you know that, that I get that. And I want you to feel known. And I want you to feel understood, even though I might not be great at doing it right now. And so, boom, I just presented something where I took responsibility for me again. And my kid got to experience her dad or his dad be humble enough to, to recognize my own faults before my teenager might even notice that they feel those. At the That's core, good. being a human is I want to, I want to be known. And I want to know people, intimacy, mm -hmm. connection. And if we can, in small ways, offer that to our kids, that's even bigger than trying to solve problems. Mm. That's How good, do, man. Yeah, even if our kids never once tell us what they're afraid of, if I can be vulnerable with my kids, then they might catch that and learn it and feel it, even if they don't reciprocate. That's a bonus. That, that, that's growth. That's good, man. Can you remember anybody that's been vulnerable and transparent and open to you and remember how you feel around that person? Oh, yeah, 100%. You feel like you can trust them. You can believe the things that they say. That at the end of the day, you know, if you really do have something to talk about, they're there to talk about it, right? And they've yeah. proven that yeah. they're that type of person by their openness. Hundred. So that's it. And so if you feel that, kids are going to feel it too. Hmm. there's a sense of when that person walks into the room, you're kind of excited or relieved, or even mm -hmm. if you open your heart up to that person, you know that that person cares and sees you. 
and that's that's what we're looking at. That's what we're going for. It's good, man. Yeah, it's really good. It's just, yeah, it makes me think about the complexity of the the family nucleus and the reality that, man, you know, if I don't even do that with my own significant other spouse or partner or whatever, how am I going to do that with my kid, you know? Yeah. And we're getting, we're getting to some of those relational issues with significant others and ultimately with self, right? And that's what it comes back to. Like you said, like if we're working through self and working through what's going on internally in us and making sense of that and being honest and open about it, then we're creating space for others to do the same. And in the midst of that, let's say humanness, we can connect, right? Yeah. Hmm. So um, last question, I think, uh, what signs, and I don't even know if there are signs, but I really wanted to ask you this, what signs or what things can a parent be looking out for, I guess, during the holidays that would help them know, okay, there's something really going on with my teenager. There's something really going on with this young person showing up to youth group. Um, and then are there, is there anything you would point to that would say, okay, this person may need emergency or professional help? Okay, that's a good question because that because I was going in a different direction. So let's just before I talk about the emergency piece, mm -hmm. let's just start with a a, um, a a basic understanding that every kid that you encounter needs something. Hmm. That's and good. Instead of looking for certain things, let's start with a a preconceived belief every kid in your house or at your youth group needs something. Mm. And, and at the bare minimum, they're, they're looking to be seen and to be known. Even if they're introverted and don't want to be known, it's not necessarily known in the way of like, hey, tell me everything about yourself. <laughs> it's, it's like there's a, a sense that there's a person who sees me in a way that might understand my pain. Mm. And so a lot of times in youth groups, you can create that safety up front just by saying, by naming that very thing and naming the fact that, hey, I just want to acknowledge that in this youth group, we're going to have all different types of personalities. And so we're beginning to name each kid, right? We're going to have those kids that are extroverted and they want to be up front and they're really fun and they want to get to know people. And then we have the kids who are really fun, but they're quiet and their fun is kind of more internal and you don't get to see it as much. And then you have the kid who's feeling sad and is coming, but isn't sure why they're coming. And you, you know what I mean? So you can begin to explain like eight or nine different types of personalities. And then at the end of it, you can say, and I might've missed a handful of different emotions that you guys are feeling. So as, a, as your leader, I want you guys to know that you're all gonna come into this space with different feelings, different thoughts, different experiences, and we love you for it. We don't want you to change. We don't want you to be like that extroverted kid who's in front of everybody. They're great, but they're not better. Hmm. There's beauty in all of us. And so we got to begin to have a culture where we name the things that are good. Because if all we ever see is people going up front and people leading and people doing great things. And we're like promoting that. Hey man, how great. Hey, name it for so-and-so he did. He memorized all the verses and he did that. And, and what are we promoting? 
behave, behave right, do good, be excellent. That's well, what good. if I'm not excellent? What if I suck at everything? What if I don't like myself? What if I feel mm. totally insecure and I'm not putting myself out there, but my thoughts and my dreams and my imagination is, is beyond what anybody can experience right now. And what if I put everything that was in my brain out in front of me, I'd probably win all these awards, but I can't do it. Mm. And so we have to be good at creating environments where people feel safe, not being the same. That's good. Because kids will get lost. Like I did Young Life for years. We loved the, the kids who are outgoing because as Young Life leaders, we were, we were insecure too. <laughs> and we, were, we were putting ourselves out there. So the kids that would actually talk back to you, you're like, oh, I like this kid because he talks with me. And the shy kid in the corner, we're kind of like, I feel insecure. So I'm going to approach this kid, but I'm not going to feel as energized. Hmm. And so, and so again, it goes back to being aware of me, but I think we could, we could say that indefinitely, whatever home you're in, whatever youth group you're in, every single kid that walks through your door, there are signs we should know. And, and those signs are always going to tell us something like this kid wants to, to know that there's a sense of safety or know that there's somebody here that loves me and knows me and cares about me. So those things are important. And I think beyond that, if there's a kid in real danger, mm. um, I think that's where uh, I, it, there's a million different things we could pay attention to. Obviously, if, if the kid's been kind of engage and they start to withdraw quite a bit and they're totally withdrawn now. I think obviously we want to be aware and figure out if you know their friends, ask their friends, hey, just I've, I've noticed so-and-so has been checked out lately. Do you know if there's anything going on in their life and have you talked to them? And then obviously as a leader, you can go approach them too and just say, hey, I just want to let you know that I see you. I, I see something's changed and it, you don't need to tell me, but I just want to let you know that I see you. And if you ever want to talk, I'm available. And so things like that. And then obviously if, if we've got kids in the corner crying, cutting, there's, there's things that we need to know if there's something going on. If there isn't something explicitly going on that we know, then we know that there's something inside of them. They're wanting to be seen more. So if you're coming to the youth group crying, you're wanting more attention and we don't want to shame that kid, mm. you know, because really if they didn't want to be seen, they would stay at home and cry. That's good. And be in their own rooms. And so as a parent, if you have a kid in your room and they never come out of your room, that's a red flag. And so we make our kids come out. They hate us for it sometimes. It's like, hey, <laughs> put your phone up. It's time to be out with the family. We were with you all morning. Ah, this sucks. You know, and, but we make them come out. And, and even when they're sad, hey, we're not making you come out and talk to people. I just, I just don't want you to be stuck in your room all day. And so that way I give a chance to, to see them. You know, and maybe if they're really low and I can see that they're kind of checked out and if they're open to it, I go and I, I, they're getting older so I don't lay in their beds with them as much, but I'll get on my knees and put my elbows on the side of their bed and, and just say, what's up? Just simple moments of checking in. Um, and if you are a safe person, eventually that kid will tell you, you know, 
my friend, my friend embarrassed me. She posted a picture that I didn't like, or my crush is with another girl, or, and, and you'll begin to see those things. But obviously, yeah, I mean, I would encourage any parent or youth leader, anybody working with youth is just understand the signs of suicide, which I don't want to get into now, but you, there's so much stuff online. Google it. If you care for kids, Google it. What are signs of suicide? And pay attention. You know, um, a lot of times kids will talk about it before they do it or even try something. If you're listening. Yeah, if we're listening and we're present, that that's uh, that's one of the best things we can offer. Hmm. Let them that's know good, that their emotions aren't too much. That's good. Thank you, man. Thank you, bro. You're doing really, good work. Really appreciate your time. Um, so, yeah, hopefully for those of you that were listening, this was helpful. And just thinking about the holidays and how you can engage and the things you should be paying attention to in yourself and then also in the young people around you. So, yeah, um, we hope that, that this helped you uh, pay attention to or learn something new or implement something or see something that you need to um, do as a consequence. And so, yeah, we're going to continue conversations and discussions like this. You got something else for us? One thing I just thought I'd share by way of something practical, and I would say adults do this first. Mm. Sounds kind of elementary, but you can see uh, it's a mindfulness exercise. Name the emotion. Okay, I'm going to say my emotion is fear. Draw a picture of your emotion, and I'm going to draw what I feel like it could look like. It could be a blob. <laughs> it, could be, it could be somebody crawling in a corner, and mine are more stick figures, so don't worry if you're not an artist. But draw what image comes to mind, and then describe, what, what does that say? Describe a related action. So when you feel afraid, what, what do you normally do? Uh, describe a related sound. What, what sounds might, might trigger you, might feel really afraid? Well, when people cry, I feel afraid. So the sound of crying or describe the quality and intensity of the emotion. The quality would mean, um, you know, it's, it's dull or it's, it's really sharp or I can feel it here, which kind of answers this down here. But like we talk about how intense is it on a scale of zero to 10? Uh, describe the physical experience. If it's a nine on a scale of zero to 10, where do you feel that nine in your body? And then describe thoughts related to the emotion. So this could be a good exercise for people mm. to just yeah, begin to get to know their own emotions and help kids know their own. Yeah, that would give you real clarity on what you're feeling, where it's at. It would just yeah. give you a, a larger framework to kind of process what's actually happening yeah. to you, right? That's good. All right. Well, like That's I said, true. hopefully everybody found that helpful and uh, we will catch you again soon. Peace out.